Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 16. Um, I think if you don't have it, I think we'll have it up on the screens behind me as well. Um, yeah, I just want to read a few verses for us and open up, and then we'll dive in a little deeper here in a second. Um, but starting in verse 13, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, uh, says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, in verse 17, answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I just want to make notice real quick before we dive into the message that Jesus says that this confession that Peter had just made, that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Son of the living God, that that didn't come from just any old friend or any, anybody or any church gathering that he was a part of or, you know, Bible study, but God the Father actually revealed that truth to his heart. Um, so let's pray, and we'll dive into this message. Dear Jesus, I just want to thank you uh, for the opportunity to fill in and preach and just be able to be in your word. God, we thank you um, for moving in our hearts, and, and uh, God, that you meet with us. Um, as we just set our affections, our hearts, and our minds on you. Um, God, I just pray that you teach us all something today, but God, that we wouldn't uh, just hear the word, but that we'd be doers of the word, that it'd be something that would transform our lives. Um, God, I know that um, I need you. God, that it's, uh, it's your power, it's your spirit that teaches us truth and helps us to walk in it. So God, I just pray that you'd use me as a vessel uh, to communicate your truth, and God, that it would be... Uh, clear and uh, uh, be able to be applied in a practical ways to our lives. We love you, Jesus, and pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 16, I told the first service that as I was preparing this message, I'm, I usually will either take like a topic in scripture and expound on that through different passages, or I'll preach an expositional message where you just take a certain passage and you just take all that you can out of it, try to understand it in its context. Um, today, I don't know if it's a hybrid or what it is, but I just felt led in my spirit to go through the chapter of Matthew, chapter 16, not in super you know, intense depth, uh, but I've seen this common theme throughout the chapter, and I'd like to take that theme and preach a message on it today. Uh, so Matthew, chapter 16, um, and before we get started, I really just want to talk about, here's what we're going to be kind of diving into. So the, the church, if you guys are familiar with it, we have this uh, theme for the year, right? It's called Kingdom Co. Um, and what we say around here is that uh, we want to be a company of kingdom people, a people that are so focused on God's kingdom that we're more, um, we should be more focused on the kingdom of God and what he's doing rather than our own earthly lives that are, that are passing, that are, um, you know, just temporary. There's an eternal kingdom in, in, in Christ. And uh, if you're a child of God, if you've trusted in Jesus, you're a part of that kingdom. And we want to invest in it. We want to expand the kingdom. We want to reach people. We want to make an eternal impact on the world around us. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I grew up watching a show called The Beverly Hillbillies. Anybody ever seen that? Raise your hand if you've seen that show. Okay, so in that show, it's, 
it's a really funny show because of the fact that um, it's this family, as I just said, they're hillbillies. So um, they're poor, they're living, you know, just off the land, um, just do things in a lot, you know, a lot different way than like the rest of society that, you know, either has a little money or is, uh, you know, using electricity and things like that. But uh, here's, so here's the lyrics to the intro song. Um, I think it'll be, it's pretty funny to me, but it says this, come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was out, was shooting at some food, and up through the ground came a bubbling crude. It says oil, that is. And, uh, well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said California is the place you ought to be, so they loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly. So it's talking about he moved to Beverly Hills. He, he, you know, he strikes oil, and he moves his family into Beverly Hills, and uh, they're living in this mansion. But the funny dynamic of the show, if you've seen it, is that they're still living like hillbillies in this mansion, right? They're living in Beverly Hills surrounded by wealthy people who, you know, totally live this different lifestyle, and they're still, like, you know, trying to find animals to go shoot and, like, throwing them in the pots, not understand how anything works. You know, they hear the doorbell ring, and they're like, who's singing in the walls, you know? They just have no idea what's going on. Um, I, I love that show. I think it's hilarious, but I think that for us, sometimes we can have... Uh, an old mindset when we live in a new spiritual reality. As Christians, as people who are children of the King, who live in a kingdom, uh, you know, uh, of Christ, we sometimes still think like we did before we knew Jesus. We still have the same mindsets. We still focus on just what's here, what's right in front of me, the things that are passing that aren't uh, eternally significant. Um, when we, now we have the opportunity to think differently. You know, now we have the uh, option to think about things that are eternal, that will always matter. Um, so I think that in this chapter of Matthew, specifically, really the whole book is about the kingdom, and it talks a lot about good things like that. But in chapter 16 specifically, I think we'll see Jesus dealing with this subject over and over and over with different people in different contexts. But really the overall theme is just that Jesus is wanting people to see things with an eternal perspective, with a kingdom mindset. So I entitled the message, The King's Thoughts, and uh, we want to think like our King Jesus, don't we? We want to think uh, the way that he wants us to. We want to see things from his perspective. So I want us to dive in to Matthew chapter 16 and kind of take a summary of several different sections throughout this chapter. Um, but how many of you know that in Colossians chapter 1, it says that when you put your faith in Jesus, the Father uh, delivered us from the domain of darkness or the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Um, we are new. We have a new identity. We have a new purpose. We have a new kingdom. We have a culture of kingdom people uh, that God wants us to live out in a certain way. He, he has principles for us. He has, uh, you know, desires for us. He has a uh, purpose for your life that can be eternally impactful. And that's what I want. I, I think I've, I've found so much more purpose following Jesus than I ever did doing even the things I love most in this world. But when I'm following Jesus, I'm filled with purpose, I'm filled with joy and peace, and I know that God wants us to live that kind of life. Um, so Matthew chapter 16, let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm not going to have the verses on the screen, I'm probably not going to read the whole passage. Uh, just want to point out some things from, from this chapter. And in chapter 16, it talks about the Pharisees and Sadducees come up to Jesus. And how many of you guys know when you're reading the Bible, you see a lot of times they walk up and they're always trying to test them, right? 
they're always trying to trap up Jesus, get him to say something he shouldn't say, or, you know, say, oh, well, if you're God, then you can show us something. That's what they do here. They're like, hey, if you're who you say you are, really, they came up to test him and said, show us a sign from heaven. Uh, you know, we, we've read our Old Testaments. We're, we're pretty... Uh, you know, smart, we're scholars, and we know that God in the Old Testament sent down bread from heaven to feed his people. And if you're really who you claim to be, then you should be able to do the same thing. You should be able to show us something that can prove that you are who you say you are. So they come, come to test him. I think it's so interesting how Jesus responds to them, though. Um, he doesn't quite address exactly how they asked him. He just says, um, when it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. In the morning, you, you, uh, it will be stormy day because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. I always think about this. They're asking for a sign from heaven from God in the flesh. Literally, God who came down from heaven took on a human body is standing in front of them, and they're asking him to show them a sign from heaven. <laughs> it's like, it's me. I'm Jesus. I'm God in the flesh. Like, what else do you want? You know, how many of us are sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I think it's easier to be like, okay, God, just show me a sign. Um, you know, I just want to see something like miraculous so you can like kind of help me to believe what you're saying. But sometimes he just wants us to believe in what he said already. Um, sometimes he just wants us to see the signs that he's already given us. You know, if they, they were scholars in the Old Testament, they could have easily known from all the prophecies about Jesus that this is who it is that he's the son of God, but they, they were unwilling to see that. They didn't want to see it. They didn't want to believe it. Um, so in this context, you see that Jesus is talking with these Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're so focused on trying to disprove who Jesus is that they're not seeing the signs that's right in front of their face. They're not seeing with spiritual sight. They're not seeing with a kingdom mindset. In the next passage, I think this is really funny. Any of you guys ever read something in the Bible and you're like, okay, that's actually really funny. I don't know about you guys. I get a kick out of this passage. But in the next passage, um, mind you, this is like right after Jesus, um, you know, fed 4,000 people, you know, multiplied bread and fish and fed all this multitude. And he'd already fed 5,000 before that. And uh, so he's... He's done all of this, and in Matthew chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 5, the, the disciples reached the other side. They were on the boat. They reached the other side, and it just says this simple statement. It says that they forgot bread, basically that they just didn't bring any, okay? And Jesus, he says, I don't know if it was just to kind of spur on what they were thinking because he knew or what it is, but he says, um, Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So what do the disciples say that? They say, they begin discussing among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. It's like, dude, you're totally missing the point of what I'm trying to say right now. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they're like, oh my gosh, we didn't bring the bread. Did you bring the bread? Like, what the heck? We forgot it. And like, one, it's funny because it's like, okay, clearly Jesus is not talking about like physical bread right now. He says, beware of the, like, watch and beware. It's something su super obviously, like, important. And they're like, oh, man, I'm getting kind of hungry. But uh, <laughs> it cracks me up. And then I think about the fact not only did, were they worried about not having bread, but Jesus just multiplied a ton of bread. So it's like, why are you guys even worried about that? But um, I think it's, I was thinking about this, like, 
little exchange that he has with his disciples. I was thinking how maybe it would be like something similar to me coming home and I get home and Kara starts talking to me and she starts telling me I've had just an awful day. You know, so many things just went wrong. Um, just having a really hard time. And she just, and you know, the whole time I'm just not listening. You know, I'm just sitting there uh, thinking about whatever, maybe food or something. And she's like, ends the whole thing by saying, it's just been crazy. And it's like, what the disciples did is like the equivalent of me saying to Kara, like, oh, you know what's really crazy? It's like, I haven't had a banana in a month. Like, and she's like, what? Like, why is that? Like, that's so insignificant. I'm telling you about my day. I'm telling you something important and you're missing it. You're so focused on just like yourself. You're not listening. Um, I think this is another example of how easy it is to be so focused on what's right in front of us that we're not able or willing to see what Jesus is wanting to do in our lives on a daily basis. He wants us to be invested. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about salvation being a gift, when I think about the grace of God, the goodness of God in my life, how, how amazing and, and rich in his mercy he's been toward me, how kind, how faithful, even after he's given me grace and I fail him, he's still there. He's so faithful, he's so loving. But it's so easy, I think, sometimes to, you know, be a child of God, but then not totally miss out on the fact that he actually, you know, wants us to live for him. He actually wants a relationship, this fellowship. We're in relationship, right? But he wants a close, intimate walk with us. He, he, he desires your heart. He desires your mind. Um, he's not just interested in getting you to go to heaven one day. He actually wants um, your desires to be captured by his greatness. He wants how glorious he is to absolutely transform how you view life, to not see it just from uh, the lens of your struggles or what you're walking through, but literally through the lens of how amazing our God is. Um, so in this passage, I think that's a, a takeaway that we see about this heavenly you know, kingdom perspective is that we can be so bogged down, we can be so trapped up in what we're going through. And, and don't get me wrong, we all go through things in this life. Like we're all facing something um, you know, difficult at, you know, pretty much all the time. There's something we're walking through. Some of us are going through really tough seasons. Some of you might be going through something really good right now. Uh, but regardless of where we're at, God not only cares about those situations that we're in, but he wants to walk through it with us. And we can totally miss that whenever we're so focused on the thing that we forget that God is still sovereign, that he still knows our hearts, that he still knows our minds, that he wants to give us peace in it, joy in it, no matter how difficult it is. You know, I think about um, how in the world, if this isn't true, then how in the world could James say, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, or walk into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith had produced patience, and let patience produce its uh, character and its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God wants to use our struggles, and he wants to mature us. He wants to use our struggles in our lives and draw us closer to him. But we can either be... Um, you know, knocked down by our struggles, or when we press into Jesus when we're going through something, he can actually mold us into a, a more of the likeness of his son, Jesus. Uh, we actually can be closer to God, even in seasons of despair, of difficulty, of, of tragedy, or whatever you're walking through. Um, so this is the passage we start with, right? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Um, by the way, I just warn you, I tend to be a little like verse heavy. Sometimes I probably <laughs> covered too much scripture in one message. Hopefully this, you guys uh, um, 
will keep up and it won't be too, you know, overwhelming. Like, what, what all did we just hear? But uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, here's our next section. Um, let's see here. So we, we start with this, right? And Jesus asked this amazing question. First, he asked who people say Jesus is. How many of you know the world has a lot of ideas of who Jesus is today? A lot of different perspectives. A lot of people think different things of him. Um, maybe, you know, they say he's a good teacher, uh, that, he, that he was a, a prophet. Um, maybe that, you know, he was just a good person, that he had some good principles to let, you know, tell people about. Um, but nothing's more vile than who we think Jesus is. Um, there's not a vi- more vital question we can answer in this life than acknowledge- acknowledging who Jesus is. Um, and so he asks the question, and they're like, you know, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he says, he turns a question on his disciples, right? He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter's reply where he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's a powerful statement. Um, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, is really uh, going from death to life because you're seeing that God came in the flesh to um, live the life that we can live, to die the death that we deserve, paying the full price for all of our sins. And when you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the one that God sent, um, then you can have life in his name when you put your trust in him. Uh, I love the gospel. I think it's the most amazing truth in the entire world that someone like me who has uh, constantly, you know, lived selfishly, uh, acted out of anger, been, been uh, just m- more focused on myself than the needs of others. So many things in my life that I just wish weren't there or hadn't been there in my past. So many things like that. And when I think about the gospel, it's not, okay, you just need to do better and then I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll try to help you out. It's literally, no, you're not good enough, but I sent my son Jesus to die in your place. I sent my son because I loved you and I realized that you would not be able to do it on your own. I knew that you couldn't, but I loved you enough that I wanted to adopt you into my family. And I think that's the most incredible truth, thinking about the gospel, thinking about God's love for us. And now, now I think what our walk, our discipleship, our growth in Christ, right? Being a company of kingdom people, what does that look like now? It looks like not us white-knuckling it through life, but seeing how good God's been to us and living in response to that. Seeing the goodness and the kindness of God on our lives and saying, God, I want to just worship you with my life. I want my actions to be a response to the goodness that you've shown me. I want your provision over my family to be the way that I treat other people and see them and their struggles and want to be there for them. I want to be able to love on people and show them that God loves them so much and it doesn't matter what they've done because thankfully it didn't matter what I had done. But God still loves me and I think his faithfulness is the most amazing thing too because we think about the gospel and that kind of grace and you're like, surely it's a chance and you could possibly screw it up after, right? Possibly, you know, he'll give you this gift, but you gotta, maybe there's some kind of term on it where you gotta live out the requirements for a little while. But it's not even that. God's grace is so abundant. It's so incredible that the Bible says in Romans chapter five that wherever sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Wherever sin abounds, grace abounds more. Can you imagine, just, just think about that. No matter where your level of sin is, God's grace is better than that. 
And in response to that, you know, we, we know the verse that Paul, you know, tries to like kind of reel us in. He's like, okay, guys, that doesn't mean just go do whatever the heck you want and like live crazy because God's grace, you know, like I'm covered. It's okay. That's like obviously not the point of God's grace is so that we'll live in rebellion. But I think when we focus on God's grace, it gives us the desire to follow him. I think that it gives us the desire to love him, to serve him, to be impactful in his work. Um, so in this message, really what I'm getting at is the fact that we all want to obey God, right? I'm sure we would all say, that, like, I want to follow Jesus. Well, before there's ever an action, we, we have a thought. Before we ever act it out, we're thinking something in our hearts and in our minds. And God tells us in his word time and time again that I want you to be renewed in your mind, in the spirit of your mind in Ephesians, it says. Um, in Colossians chapter three, verse one and into four, pretty much, it talks about, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And it says, set your mind, set your affections on things that are above, not, uh, not, not things of this earth. You know, we have the ability to think on things that are earthly, and then we have the ability now in the spirit to think on things that are heavenly, that are lasting. And he and says time and time again in Colossians and Ephesians, it talks about, um, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about the fact that, you know, life, um, we, can, we should look to the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. The things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And, you know, that's such a challenge, such a difficult thing, because my whole life, I don't know about you guys, but ever since I was born, I kind of just went where I could actually see. <laughs> I actually, I kind of focused on the things that I could see with my physical eyes. Um, but God has given us this revelation through his word that there's a spiritual reality that we all live in as children of God. And as we live out that reality, as we see in his word that he actually has a purpose for us. And when we begin to cling to that, when we begin to cling to Jesus through every season of our lives, then we see his work at hand in our lives as we're walking day by day. We actually see God's hand moving in our situations where before we just were thinking about, man, I, w I can't wait till ne next week because it'll be a better week for me. It's like, no matter what you're going through, God's got something for you in every season. He wants to walk with you in every season. So I need to keep going here. <laughs> okay, I'm so bad. I told the first service, I'm so bad at timing my messages. I just kind of run and like, Oh, crap. Okay, here we go. It's the last 30 verses in five seconds. No, I'm just kidding. But Okay. Oh, I did want to make mention, though, in this passage where Jesus says to Peter um, that, you know, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven, right? I wanted to talk just for a second about divine um, revelation, the fact that God has given us his word. I think it's genius that God gave us a book instead of just some like crazy message in the sky that, you know, something like that, that, you know, it would be awesome, right? It would be cool to hear God just shout from the clouds, like, listen to me, son. And then, you know, just go from there. But it's genius that he gave us a book because one, it's, it's always here for us. It's an eternal word that won't change. And the author literally gave us his spirit who um, not only authored the book, but wants to teach us his book. Um, and can you think about your favorite book and just sitting down with the author? What a privilege that would be. How cool it would be to just sit down and have a conversation with, you know, whatever you like to read. You're, you're reading the book, and then all of a sudden he just pops up at a coffee shop, and you're like, oh, you're, you're him. <laughs> Are you serious? You're her? And, I, and they can actually, like, talk about the context of what they were writing, and they can teach you more and more depth to what they've written. 
Well, God's spirit lives in us as believers. And when we read his word, he wants to teach you. He wants to show you what he meant by what he said. And, you know, a lot of us, I think, can be intimidated as we start into scripture thinking, man, I just need a pastor to preach it to me. You don't need, you don't, you don't need me to, you know, me or anybody else to preach to you. I think it's powerful when we do uh, hear the preached word of God. But God also wants to teach you in your per- personal and private time. He wants to meet with you when you're in the word with him. He literally wants to teach you from his scripture. I think that's an incredible thing. But I'll move on. <laughs> Um, actually, no, I won't, because I want to say something else about it. <laughs> um, <coughs> in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I think there's this amazing passage uh, in that chapter that I think is incredible, thinking about this, and uh, I won't actually use you as an example this time, because last time I was like, I was like acting like Ryan didn't want, want me to continue preaching. Anyway, I don't know why I said that, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, it talks about the fact that no one knows a person's thoughts except for the spirit of that person, right? I can't look into someone's eyes and just read their mind. But there's, their spirit of that person knows that what that person's thinking. It says, so also no one comprehends or no one, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. But we haven't been given the spirit of this world, but we've been given the spirit that is from God so that we can understand the things that are freely given us by him. What an incredible truth, the fact that you know, we couldn't understand the thoughts of God. Like, you know, in the Old Testament, we even hear things like, who has understood the mind of the Lord? And we can't, we're not good enough where our brains aren't, they don't have the capacity. But in Christ, in the spirit, it literally says after all of that, it says we have the mind of Christ. That God has literally given us his mind so that we can think and operate in the same mindset that he has for us to think and operate in. Um, I realize that I'm not gonna get through it. So I'm just gonna say, camp out right here for a second. Um, I've thought about this. It's kind of like anything where it talks about in our, our position in Christ, where it says something powerful like, in him you have everything you need for life and godliness. Or, you know, just different passages that are so powerful in who you are in Christ. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But other times I'm like, then why am I still acting like such a fool? <laughs> like, why am I still living so selfishly? Why am I still getting mad over little things? Why am I still struggling to be patient? If I have that much God living inside of me, why do I still struggle at this level? Well, in Philippians chapter two, you know, we just talked about the fact that we have the mind of Christ, right? In Philippians chapter two, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. What it's saying there is, have something that you already possess. I was like, oh, that's, that's helpful, thanks. Have something I got, okay, cool. No, but literally have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We possess the mind of Christ because of his spirit. Not because we're great or nothing like that, but God wants us to think like he thinks, and he says, now operate in it. You know, it's kind of like where Colossians, it says, you know, you being firmly rooted and grounded in love, um, you know, now walk in it. It's like, this is who you are, but now you got to live it out. And that starts with our mindset. And we want to have this kingdom mindset around here. We want to challenge each other. We want to encourage one another. We want to pray with each other because we realize that none of us are strong enough in our own strength, but we want to constantly be reminded of the greatness of our God to love one another, to love and serve our King and to be transformed in our minds. And as we do that, I think that God's spirit will be manifested in a powerful way in this community. I think that God will do amazing things that we could never muster up with any strategy, with any thought process of our own, but God can do incredible things 
Well, we'll just be submissive to his will, to his word, and say, God, I want to think the thoughts that you have for me. So I'm not going to get through the rest of the message, but that's okay. I think that's an okay place to stop. Um, right? What time? <laughs> Sorry, I haven't preached the second service yet, so I didn't know what time I was supposed to wrap it up. But I got like five minutes. Okay, I got a couple minutes here. I just want to say a couple of closing thoughts. As we, as we walk away, I don't want to just give you like, here's what it says, but I want to give you a little practical application. Okay. Um, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus talks about the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of people are so focused on laying up treasures for themselves in this earth. You know, a lot of, a lot of us, a lot, you know, even myself, a lot of the time I catch myself being so uh, focused on what I can get in this world. Um, you know, so some of us in the room have spent years uh, in a certain job or trying to start a business or do something you're really passionate about. And there's nothing in the world wrong with that. That's not what I'm saying right now, but... I do think that sometimes we can be so invested in something in this world that we totally forget the fact that we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to think differently now. I'm not thinking just about um, paying the bills next month, but I'm thinking that I wanna actually sow into something that'll have an eternal impact, something that will last forever. I want to be part of that. I want to take part in that. And I can be so focused on like, okay, well, I got to pay that bill, that bill, that bill. I would help them out. But honestly, I'd really like to, you know, eat out like five times this week. So I'm going to do that instead. You know, I'm not trying to talk all about money because it's not just that, but I do think that that's a big thing for a lot of us. You know, we can be so focused in this world that, some, you know, sometimes, and I can talk about money because I'm not the head pastor, so it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, with anything, with your affections, with what, what you spend your time doing, sorry, I'm thirsty about wait. Um, whatever it may be, whatever your focus is on, you guys know for yourselves. You know what you've struggled to constantly go back to, 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 to prioritize in your lives. But today I want you to think about it inwardly and just as I close in prayer we're not going to have a time of invitation if you guys want to talk about anything to any of our staff we'd be happy to talk to you Um, but we're just going to close down the message right now but as we do that I just ask that as I'm praying that you'd reflect on maybe what is it in my life that I'm so focused on that distracts me from having the, the mind that Christ wants me to have the focus on eternal things and I'm going to read one last verse from our passage and it's at the end of the chapter it's in verse 27 it says, for the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, I know that because of the gospel, right, I'm not getting paid back for the good I've done or the bad I've done as far as going to heaven or hell. That's not what this passage is about. But as a child of the king, I'm going to be judged for the things that I've done with my life. Where did I invest my time? Where did I invest my talents? What did I do with my money? What did I do with, um, you know, the relationships that I have? What did I do with all that? What did you do with all that? Every day we have the choice to invest in eternal things or temporary things. So I'm going to pray, and I would just ask that you be thinking about that, that you'd recognize that it's not a huge step. You don't have to try really hard, but because the amazing thing about God's grace is when you focus on it, it'll reinvigorate your spirit. It'll make you want to serve and love and obey our King. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much that your word is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any any two-edged sword, God, that it divides things that 
in our hearts and our minds don't make sense necessarily, but your spirit through your word can open our eyes to see underlying truth that, that we are, you know, in this world, we have an eternal purpose. God, that in this world, no matter what we tend to cling toward, whatever, you know, usually captures our affections, God, I just pray that in this moment, we would just acknowledge those things and rebuke them. Say, God, I, I don't want those things. I want you. God, I want to see you work in my life. I want your, my mind to be renewed by your thoughts. God, I want my life to count for your kingdom, for your glory, for your name's sake. And one day I want to be repaid uh, by those things, by, by your goodness, by your grace to me so that I can lay down my crowns at your feet and say, Jesus, you were so good to me and I wanted to spend the rest of my life, like Paul said, pursuing the one who pursued me. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.